What an amazing morning so far. So excited for what you're going to share with us. Yeah, let's, let's, let's pray. Yeah, Lord, we, yeah, we thank you for the city. We thank you for his family. Thank you for the anointing on his life, for the leadership, for the gifts that are in him, that he's a legend. And we just pray that it'll be your words coming through. You've done so much this morning, God, but we're expecting for more. We're expecting for that overflow we spoke about, Lord. And we just really trust that this would be such an anointed word from the city. Thank you, God. In your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. So greeting you in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, no, was that American or? <laughs> I've lost English. Oh, man. I try to do English accents. So <laughs> I'm Lucetti. I live in London, but originally from um, Port Elizabeth, South Africa, the promised land. Um, yeah, I've got to get used to that. We left when it was Port Elizabeth. And we've been away for three years, and a lot, a lot has changed. Um, I'm a husband of one wife. Crystal Claire Williams. Crystal, do you want to come up? Let me stop my timer. Um, we've been married for 10 and a half years. I know what you're thinking. You're like, Santa Maria. This guy, isn't he like 25? So he got married at 15. I know. But black don't crack. Here we go. Oh, oh Crystal's going to introduce herself quickly. Uh, I'm Crystal. It's just such a joy to be with you guys and to see some familiar faces. And yeah, what a blessing to be a part of God's family. Hey, just how there's such a connection in Jesus and an instant love and affection for one another is just so beautiful. And yeah, I think just an encouragement is, man, keep on loving. Keep on living full out for Jesus because there's no other way to live our life here on earth. So let's just keep running for him, guys. Thank you, Lord. Um, yeah, and my nephew is here. His name is Palaka. He's sitting in the front row. Yeah, come on. I mean, he's moved to study here at UCT. I've got one job this morning, not to embarrass him, you know. Uh, <laughs> it is too late, yeah. It's an uncle's job. It's an uncle's job. But um, yeah, friends, what a privilege to be here with you. I, I feel like super honored. Um, I, I've been visiting Josh, Joshua Generation City Bowl since 2000 and whenever you guys started. Um, and while I'm in, actually, um, Oxygen Life, well, I was in Oxygen Life, and then part of just Andrew's sphere, Andrew Seeley's sphere, is because uh, I grew up with this guy over here, Howard Favey, and uh, we, from 1994, just rocking Jesus, well, we were rocking life together. Um, and then there was a certain moment in 2005 where the Lord got hold of me. Um, and I, I was like, I would, yeah, a lot of, on drugs, uh, drinking a lot, just enjoying the pleasures of this world. And I was having tons and tons and tons of fun. But the interesting thing was, because sin is fun. Hallelujah. No. <laughs> no, hallelujah. But let's be honest about it. Sin is fun. And I was enjoying that sin. But I would get home, and I'd have this feeling inside, is there more to this than just this pleasure that had meaninglessness? And um, and even just this, yeah. So in 2005, uh, Howard, myself, and Crystal, we went with some friends to Graham Sound Festival. My my sole responsibility was to be as drunk as possible um, in Graham Sound Festival for as long as possible. And r- arrived on the 3rd of July, which was my birthday. It was I was drunk the whole way down, drunk. I'm not trying to celebrate drunkenness, but I just want to show you what, where the Lord has taken me. I shouldn't be here. Um, and one of our friends who 
I looked at him and I thought, that guy's a heathen. He had a radical transformation because he believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it blew us all away because we grew up in church. Um, I was one foot in the world, one foot in, in Jesus. But I could see that he was living for something. Um, and I just was so hungry for that. And I said, yeah, I remember sitting in front of a fire in my drunken state. And Jesus was there with me. And I was just was like, I'm yours. If you do that to people, I need that. And the interesting thing is we um, live in London now. And London is full of people who are living for pleasure. I live in a, quite a wealthy area. Um, and they've got beautiful houses. I was sitting and speaking to a, a lawyer. And he has... In the world's eyes, everything that you would ever dream for. Um, and then as I was sharing, just trying to sneak in some testimonies of God and sharing Crystal's story. Crystal used to really, really struggle and be enslaved with anxiety. And um, I was just sharing it with my neighbor. And he's like, how does, because I shared, God set Crystal free from anxiety. And she was like, he was like, how, do you, how does that happen? How does this God, because, and then he started sharing with me, he is riddled with anxiety. And I was so blown away. The world says we have everything, but they actually are empty. And, uh, yeah, so we have the privilege of ministering, preaching the gospel, and in dark places like that, where people are actually struggling with, uh, with depression. Um, in the UK, depression and mental illness is like on a high. So they, there is not as much crime as here. But people are having meaningless lives because they have given themselves to the, to the idol of comfort and wealth. And you think you get that stuff. And I think even Cape Town, you, you, you guys are very similar to us. You run after that stuff. They, they tell you, get this, get the money, get the nice car, get the nice wife, or get the nice ladies, and life's going to be awesome. Oh, it's such a joke. Honestly, it's such a joke. You don't get anything. You just get hell. And these people are living in hell every day. And we have the privilege of showing them just the light of Jesus Christ. Um, but it's not easy. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy because they are anti-Christian, uh, coming with all their alphabets and any other thing that they have and, um, and <laughs> different agendas. Everybody, uh, even the Christians. I remember rocking up. And us Christians sometimes are the worst people. I met with a pastor, and I said, Hey, I'm from Africa. God sent me here to just partner with you, and I... I want to see God's kingdom breaking out, just like you want to. And, I'm, I'm, and I acknowledge what God has done in your lives. And, and so I'm like wanting to honor them and then also, you know, get things going. And he looked at me and said, well, why are you here? We here. You know, you don't, who, who did you ask to come here? <laughs> I was so, I literally was like, Santa. <laughs> and, but friends, even as I was speaking to this guy, I realized that there is a principality at work in the world. Um, and though we deal with flesh and blood, brothers and sisters and human beings, the enemy is trying to do his thing. And, and there's a lot of challenges. I want to start off with the challenges because you guys are facing challenges. Um, but the, this is the everyday challenges. One of our ladies came because we come from, a lot of us come from Port Elizabeth. Um, and in Port Elizabeth, like when we're having a tough day uh, to, to get to someone to make disciples, we get stuck, stuck in traffic, and it's like a whole 20 minutes, and then eventually <laughs> you get there, <laughs> and you're like, wow, I'm never coming to the suburb ever again, <laughs> you know, um, and then we, so that was our mentality, and our, like, that's the context we come from, and then God put us in London, where 
a short journey is 40 minutes. Just to go to someone around the corner, 40 minutes. Um, so this one lady who loves Jesus, but there's been some tests. Um, she lives an hour and 20 minutes by train, so we all do public transport. If you want to drive, it's 30 minutes, but we don't have driving um, or cars. Um, <laughs> driving machines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why you're here, brother. <laughs> um, so she, for community, travels one, an hour and 20 minutes. For church, an hour and 20 minutes. There's, there's two of the ladies there. And, and then she, she's teaching as well. She, she moved over on a um, study visa, and she did a master's. And then now she's teaching, and the schools there are terrible. The, stu- the students are, they don't, they, obviously, they're not saved. They, they don't know Jesus. Um, and they, they don't respect people. And I remember she came to me and said, it's impossible to be a Christian here. Oh, man. When you hear that, it's like, it takes the wind out of your sails. Because it is true. It's hard. It's, it's hard. Like, there's so many challenges. And she's like, ah. basically, she was wanting to put in the, like, like, given the time, just come back to SA. And I said to her, if you can't, then no one can get saved. And are you telling me that Jesus can't save people? And so we've had to find faith um, to be Christians in this place, um, in a place where there's pursuit of pleasure. Um, I know for myself, let me confess on my lessons, um, I'm, a, I'm a guy who my flesh loves women, unfortunately, and I have to say no to that. But people dress interestingly. And <laughs> or they don't dress. And my flesh cries out for that. Like, in the, yeah, just all over the place. And I've had to fight a good fight to just say no. And while I'm sharing these stories and maybe making you feel like, oh, my goodness, isn't this an encouraging piece? I want to encourage you. I want to put courage into you because you are living in Cape Town and, I, and City Bowl contending for the gospel year, and it's a very, very similar context. You guys are going through the same battles that we're going through. And the enemy wants you and me to think, Let's just survive and get through so we can get in heaven. And there's no weeping, no hurt or tears, no suffering. You hold, hallelujah, anybody, any, anybody, <laughs> come on. And we just, that's what the enemy wants us to think. But Jesus has a better plan for us, friends, that as we believe him, as we walk with him in an intimate journey, adventure, friends, we can change this environment around us. Come on. Hey? Come on. This is beautiful. And this is wonderful for me. Oh, team, because I've got issues. I'm not perfect. But you know what? The perfect one has said, come along. And I'm going to make you able to do all these things. Um, as we do that. And I actually want to look at Daniel and how he did that. Because Daniel lived in, a, in Babylon. And we kind of live in Babylons. Hey? And how did Daniel, in his circumstances that he had to deal with, like how did he not only survive and make it through and get into heaven and sing that great song, but how did he say yes to God? And then kings bowed their knees to Jesus. So that's what we're going to get to. Um, Let me drink some water, and then we're going to read the scripture. So if you have a Bible... Or if you have an app, Daniel 1, 1 to 7. 
Thank you, Jesus. So we're reading about Daniel. It's the beginning of the book. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave him, I thought someone was saying my name. And the Lord gave him, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands. Um, with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the, to the land of Shinna, the house of his God. Placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king, of, uh, then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, Skillful, uh, skillful in all wisdom, so basically Howard, endowed with knowledge, understand, uh, understanding, learning, and competence to stand in the king's palace and to teach them um, the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that, uh, that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. At the, end of that, uh, at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Balthazar, thank you. Uh, Hananiah, he called uh, Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. Thank you, Jesus, for just this little bit of your scripture. And yeah, God, even as we want to just pause and not get wise and persuasive words, but we are desperate for your presence. We are desperate for your encouragement, Lord. We are desperate for a word from you that brings life in Jesus' name. So we just yield our hearts to just your word, Lord. Um, come, Jesus. Amen. So, as I was saying, Daniel is a great example. Um, and why is it such a great example is we, we see that Nebuchadnezzar goes and besieges or takes over Jerusalem and takes some of the best of the land, which Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, oh, well, Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael were part of. But he didn't just take them nicely. He took them, killing their families, and he castrated them. And so there was a lot of pain that Daniel had to endure. And then he left his homeland. And then what happened? He was placed in this foreign nation. They didn't leave it there. They wanted to not only take from them, but they wanted to change them from the inside and from the outside. So what, is, what do they do? Um, all of them have names, and they have Yahweh's name in them. And then they change their names and put their God's name. So there's a twisting of identity and calling and, and, and saying, you should worship this. And you know what? Even as I'm saying this, think about how the world works. Think about the systems of Babylon, which obviously the king of Babylon is the devil. He loves to do this. He loves to come using any opportunity um, to come and destroy our faith destroy our belief in God, change our identity, go from worshiping the king of kings to worshiping things. 
And he'll do anything to take your faith and destroy it. Through hardship, maybe Daniel went through tons of hardship. Like, uh, sometimes like, I try to pause and go, okay, what did you go through? What did he go through to, to like, being, well, just your manhood being cut off? That's hardcore. But then losing your family. And then in all of this, God said, I want you to bless these people. So what, what did Daniel do? So I'm going to just give, hopefully I can do all five points, but if I only get to point one, forgive me, and um, we can speak afterwards. Uh, but I want to encourage us on how we can stand and be change agents. And how does it happen? It's, it's by knowing the living king, by walking with him. Because those who walk with him do great exploits, Daniel said. So, number one, um, Daniel believed God was in control. Um, so, it's easy for us to say that because we've read the end of the story. But why Daniel was written, and one of the themes that was in it, it was answering the question, where is God? Why do I say this? It's because the people of God were in Israel in their land. And they were God's people. And then a foreign ruler comes in with these foreign gods saying, we're going to conquer you in the, uh, in the name of this God. And they came and they conquered God's people, the real God's people. And so God's people were sitting in Babylon in pain, processing just these questions. Where are you, God? Was, is God real? I don't know if you've ever been there where you've gone through some hardship and you're like, where are you, God? I'm the only one. Okay. No, you don't have to put up your hands, but it's a real question that we face through hard situations. Um, I remember um, one of my cousins who I love dearly, um, all of a sudden, I don't know what happened to him, but he, he got really, really depressive and he jumped off a bridge. And I remember just crying out to God, going, where are you? Where are you, God? It's a real question that is raised at many times of our lives. And so this is what Daniel screams out, that God is behind everything for, for the good of his people. God is in total control for his glory. Why do we know that? One, as you look at the parables um, throughout every, not parables, the dreams that Daniel has to interpret, there's one of um, where there's a big statue and it's a representation of different kingdoms that will rise up, that actually God is setting them up and removing them. So God is the puppet master behind everything. And God, in the end, will destroy all those kingdoms. And there's only one kingdom that's going to stand. And then every knee will bow. So God's in control. One of the the lines that is echoed over and over is in Daniel 4. I'll just highlight in Daniel 4. It's a little line, verse 17. It says, the most high rules the kingdom of men. God is in control. Friends, when your, your little world is shaking, when recession hits, or maybe you fail a test, maybe you're like me that's lost a close one, God is in control. This is a solid rock that we can anchor, anchor and root our lives on, and we can have hope. We can have peace in the wildest of storms. That our Father, the living King, is in total control. He knows what's going on, and actually He's working for your good. That's what it says in Romans. You guys with me? Okay. Number two, Daniel knew that God is calling him to a personal relationship. 
so that Daniel would walk with him ever so closely. And then as it happens, great things would happen. So Daniel, this is Daniel eleven thirty two, and it's speaking about quite a hard context, darkness, where there's a deceiver. But in the middle it says, but those, uh, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Great exploits. But for us to do great things with God, we need to know God. And this is not an intellectual knowledge. Um, you know, I, I read my Bible and I know how to quote it backwards. The Pharisees did that, but they didn't know God. But this is an experiential where, where I walk with Him. And I think for me, this it, it's good, it should become real every day as we, as we engage with God, we walk with God. And, but there was a time when we arrived in London. I think we were there for like maybe three months. And we were there to see the lost saved because Jesus loves people that don't know him and wants them to come to a knowledge of salvation, amen? So we were there for those people, and we hadn't seen not one saved. So I said to Crystal, Claire Bear, because that's her second name. You can all call her Claire. She loves that. Um, I said, Crystal, Claire, let's fast and pray. And so we fasted and prayed. We sought this God that really loves the lost of this world. And, and first day, we're expecting that God's going to do something. First day, we're fasting, praying, hallelujah, Jesus, Jesus. Nothing happens. Okay. Day two, hallelujah, yes, Lord. And day three, nothing. We're coming towards the end of day three, or actually in the middle of day three, and I had to go get a, a jacket for Crystal. My closest decathlon was in a certain area. And for some reason, I just felt to go to Kensington. I was like, okay, let's go to Kensington, which was way further. Go to, go to the store. They don't have the jacket. I was like, ah, oh, I wasted my life. I come out of the store. <laughs> Any hallelujahs? <laughs> yeah, all the men are like, oh, my goodness, shopping. Um, this woman comes up to me, and she says, hey, I want to sell you something. And then I said, okay, I'll give you five minutes. You give me two minutes. And then she's, she's like, okay, cool. That's, that's cool. So she goes with her best sales tactics. I said, no, thank you. No. <laughs> no, and then I give her the gospel. And she, was like, she said, okay, that's interesting. Um, wasn't fully sold. I gave her our Instagram handle. Um, I left her. And the next day, oh, so this is actually, the, oh, actually, this was day two of my fast. Day three of my fast, when nothing's happening. Um, so in our area, so it's, way, it's very far from where, where I met that lady. Um, I go to the shop. And guess who's outside the shop? That same lady. This is London. It doesn't happen. <laughs> and she looked at me. And she's like, this is impossible. I'm, I'm like, no, no, this is God. <laughs> and so, but I'm like, okay, I, I know what God wants to do here. I, uh, I say, get hold of me. I said, get hold of me. We want to come and pray for you. We wanna, we, yeah, we're with you. Um, she's like, okay, cool. But she's still not keen. Get into the shop. I phone Crystal. Because she's coming home and she goes past that way. I said, Crystal, there's this lady. You prophesy over her, girl. <laughs> and uh, so my wife, really good wife, and a woman of God, if you want a prophetic word, go to her. Um, she walked up. She prophesied over her. Uh, I don't know what the response was, but got home. That evening at 10 o'clock, when, you know, God, we're running out of time. The fast is about to end. Guess who messages us? That lady. Crystal led it to the Lord that evening. Ah, incredible. Incredible. 
Wonderful. It's very wonderful. But for me, the bigger thing is, God, you used me a little, as a little pawn. <laughs> he moved me to Kensington. He saw everything. And I know that. If you came up to me and said, there's no God, I'm like, whoa, whoa, come here. Come here, my friend. This is what he did with me yesterday. I walked with the living king. And as I walked with the living king, guess what happened? Great things happened. This lady came to a knowledge of salvation. I think I got the better testimony. <laughs> Friends, I want to encourage you. How are you seeking the Lord? Are you waiting for Luke or the other elders? What is the Lord saying to me? No, no. You seek the Lord. You are called to walk with the living king. You know, Jesus died so that we, had, that we would have fellowship with the Father. And then we go to our elders and say, what does the Father say? No, friends. God has made a way for you to walk with him. This is why Jesus died. Don't miss out on it. So we start off our day, like just some handles, like quiet time. Open my Bible so I can get to know him. And then I engage into spiritual warfare with him. And I know you're the living king. You're in control. So therefore, move. But I do it with him. He's inviting me on this great adventure. <laughs> it was amazing. And then we hear his voice. And guess what? We obey. Because he is Lord. He's my dad. Jesus is my brother. It's just quite mind-blowing. Our friend. Oh, but, but he's Lord. And that means what he says goes. And it's amazing. He does allow us to like grapple a little. When, we, when God called us to London, there was quite a fight in me. But I know who's God. I know who's Lord. I said, God, but I know that he has life and life in abundance. All right. Number three. Um, Daniel submitted himself to God's people. All right. So I'm not going to read the scripture, but just, just very quickly. Um, throughout Daniel, there's, there's moments where things happen. And where does Daniel go to? He goes to Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. Those three guys. He looked for those who feared the Lord. And he opened up his life. And he said, come, let us partner together. Let us be in Kononia. Let us be in fellowship to see God's purposes happen here in Babylon. Amen? Friends, it is impossible for us to walk into God's destiny of our lives without the local church. It's impossible. I wouldn't be here if Howard didn't drag me kicking and screaming from our church. We love God, but it wasn't enough. But he dragged me to Oxygen Life, and it transformed me. I'm standing here because of that man. It's, it's mind-blowing. I wouldn't be doing this if Howard didn't. Drag me, like he literally dragged me. <laughs> we need each other. Howard has shaped me. We've had countless of arguments <laughs> and disagreements, and I'm the problem mostly. I'm a very hard-headed human being. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's a, there's a Jesus relationship here, but I, we find it in the local church. You are not going to walk in your destiny <laughs> if you don't give yourself to this church or whatever church the Lord calls you to. You need to be accountable, which means allow people to speak in, to, to, to give counsel over just areas of your lives, which is very awkward. 
Um, <laughs> it's not easy. I'm a, like, I'm a strong man. Don't come say anything to me. I'm a lone wolf, lone tiger, or whatever I am. That's me. <laughs> but that's how we can be like. The, the ways of this world, the systems of this world say, you do it yourself. But we see in the scriptures, Acts 2.42, that they had heaven on earth. Why? Because a group of people devoted themselves to Canonia, to the fellowship. We see in James 5, uh, 16, that people received healing from sin because they confessed their sins to God only. No, because they confessed their sins to one another. If you have sin, I, Crystal and I, when, when we were dating, we, we crossed many boundaries. Um, and, I, and we got free, but I was confessing it to God. But there was a demonic spirit at work in my life that didn't let go of me until I went to the elders to my leaders, the ones who were discipling me. And I confessed my sin and I found healing. You need to open your life up. First um, John 4, 12 says how no one is seeing God, but when you love one another, he's amongst you. Do you want to see God? It means that you're going to have to sometimes pick up your phone and text someone and sacrifice a little airtime. <laughs> or get in your car or into a taxi and go across Two suburbs, which is a whole 12 minutes. Santa Marie. <laughs> no, Nazi, Nazi. But, it's, but sometimes it's a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice. It's to get out of thinking about myself and think about others. You know, when we do that, the Bible says, John says over there, that God is amongst us. You can't do this walk alone. Number four, be faithful when there's no fireworks. What are you trying to say there? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Daniel's got 12 chapters, I think. Um, and let's say each chapter has one supernatural thing, or maybe even two or three or five. I don't know. I'm not going to do the full maths. But let's say there's 20 supernatural events in Daniel. But those 12 chapter, chapters speak about 70 years. So actually, there was not a lot of supernatural razzmadazzle. <laughs> but you know what this says, friends? It says that many times Daniel was just at work in front of his computer. Just imagine with me. <laughs> and he did it faithfully to the Lord. No one was looking. He didn't feel anything special, holy goosebumps and all. But actually, that's where true magic, oh, they're not magic. That's where the true supernatural happens. <laughs> that's, no magic. We're against magic. <laughs> Um, be faithful every day, friends. Every day, in every little moment. God sees how I love my wife. Or maybe, in the, sometimes, and this is how I'm so selfish. He sees that. And when I decide to say no and die to myself and love her like Jesus, loved, like Jesus has called me to love her, that is supernatural. And actually, there's going to be a lot more of that as I read the word of God, and I see it, and I don't feel anything, but I'm, I see. So for myself, I read how Jesus loved the disciples. He got into the lives. And then I was in this church called Oxygen Life, and there was just white people, and there was like two black people. <laughs> it's real. And I was in a white community, and they were all 30. They were all old. Now, I'm 30. <laughs> I'm old. 
No, but this was real for me as a 19-year-old. And I was thinking, how can I love these people like Jesus loved the disciples? It's impossible. But I just saw it in the book. And I saw how Jesus treated them as brothers and sisters. I was like, okay, how do I treat my brother? How, how do I treat my nephew's bro- father? Literally, I, I would go to my, ne- my brother's house. I just opened the fridge. <laughs> and I, he's my brother. We have things in common. He loves me. And it's, so I treated Stan and Nats and uh, Jeremy. Jeremy was in that calm. You're not old, bro. Sorry. <laughs> Jeremy was one of those guys where I gave myself to those guys. We were totally different. I didn't think like them. We didn't, we didn't understand each other. But love just gaps that, covers that. And, um, um, yeah, we need to do that. I remember preaching the gospel as well. <laughs> uh, people think, like, sometimes, hey, he said you're an evangelist. No, I'm not, actually, because I'm really terrible at communicating the gospel. Really, really. Howard is really good. Uh, <laughs> when he went, I was like, wow, you're going to do it at the end as well. Okay. Um, but <laughs> but um, I remember just reading the scriptures, go and make disciples. Okay? So I went to um, Mug and Bean. I would sit there, order a coffee, and at the end, I put three tips, two jokes, and then one gospel. Um, on the, I would write that at the back of the till slip. Why? Because I was a little coward. But I wanted to just break off my cowardness by starting the gospel in little ways. So I would do that, put a nice financial tip as well, leave it over there, and I'd run. <laughs> I'm not even playing. I've, I really do that. And as I did that, it was like training myself. I got bolder and bolder and bolder and bolder. But why? Not because I liked it, but actually because I see it's in the Word. Friends, no one saw that. You guys, okay, you're hearing it now. But none of you were there. It was me and the Holy Spirit. Because I, and I didn't feel goosebumps, but I knew this is what we called to do. So being faithful every day in the little things, in the things the Lord highlights in the Scriptures, we do them. And lastly, Daniel expected the supernatural. And, yeah, so there was a, there's some amazing stories in Daniel. The lion's den where he doesn't get killed. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go into the fire and then they don't get burnt up. <laughs> this is wonderful. And they would seek God because they knew God could do something like that. They knew God loved to invade the natural world supernaturally. Why? To show off his kingdom because he loves people. Not for their glory, for God's glory. And friends, when we've been in London, I remember um, sitting on one of the platforms in London, and people tell you that people don't get healed in London and stuff. And so I was like, okay, apparently people don't get healed in London. But the Holy Spirit would tell me, I want to heal that person. But Lord, don't you know people don't get healed here? (laughs) But as I'm sitting there, as I'm sitting there, um, I saw this guy limping, um, and he, uh, I'm, I'm a little chicken. I'm, so he, he limps, and I said, wow, look at that guy, God. And he's like, yeah, I want you to pray for him. If you get him to sit over here, I'll pray for him, Lord. <laughs> you know? and, and there was a whole lot of people around me, so I thought I did the, I made it hard for God, basically. <laughs> and the guy went, and he pushed through, and he sat next to me. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, here we go. Turned to him hey, how are you doing? What happened to your leg? He told me his story. Um, I said, hey, can I pray for you? Um, I know God, he heals. <laughs> and then he said, yeah, cool. I was like, 
Since when? <laughs> so I put my hand on him. Um, five second prayer. Lord, Jesus, heal this man. Um, he's got a leg problem. Heal it. In Jesus' name. Amen. I said, do you want to try it out? And he looked at me and he said, do you think it works that fast? <laughs> I was like, yeah, look, he, we asked and we tried it out. And he, and he tried it out. And he said, no, no, no. So he's still sitting. He's like, no. Nah. Then he stands up. And he's like, no, 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 still. And he starts walking. He was totally healed. And he was like, oh, it's really mind-blowing. Um, and one other story. Just, just one, one moment, yeah. Um, just a really, this happened like probably a month ago. No, maybe two, three months ago. <laughs> uh, we, myself and this one guy, were walking in our area. And he is actually from one of the church, the church in Switzerland. So he wanted to join me to preach the gospel. And I was like, oh, Lord, reason. <laughs> so we hit the street. And uh, he's got faith. And we're getting rejected. I was like, bro, let's go home. <laughs> let's go. And he's like, no, let's go down this road. I was like, yes, let's go down this road. So I just basically just gave up. <laughs> and, uh, so he spoke to someone. And then I saw someone with a, um, not a cast, but basically with strains because he had injured a leg. Um, and I thought to myself, you know what? We've been rejected anyway. Might as well get rejected in a big way. You know, it's going to tell a story. Walked up to him. And I said, hey, dude, Jesus heals. Can we just pray for you? And he's like, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. This is, this is good. We prayed for him. Um, swapped numbers. He was a very polite person. Swapped numbers. He messages me the next day, which was a Saturday, and he said he was like probably 90% healed. Um, he had been injured the day before, and he said, if you come into church tomorrow, we'll tell you our story. They came to church the next day, um, him and his wife, and uh, they shared that his wife, um, the day be- two days before that, had prayed, God, if you're real, show me. The next day, um, her husband was, I think he did like some martial arts or something, and he injured himself. But we all know the king that rules over the kingdoms of men, hallelujah, anybody, <laughs> is at work. And he actually did that. And uh, he got injured. And the, the day after that, he runs into Chicken Lissetti and his friend. <laughs> we prayed for him. And they just realized that God is alive. And they're sharing their testimony on Sunday. How incredible. We need to expect it. Friends, again, so in conclusion, let's pause and think. I am not called to just survive here in Cape Town. As I was praying for you in worship, I had this image of you guys are an arrow being shot out by the Lord. That God has great deeds for you as a congregation into your areas of influence. And we thank you, God, for that. But that means you're not just called to survive, friends. You're called to partner with your dad in heaven and watch him do crazy things with you. (laughs) And speak freedom over captives. Come on, Joshua generation. So I want to pray for you. Um, before I pray for just those who walk with God, I want to pause and speak to you if you don't know God. And I was speaking about how the King, Jesus, He rules the kingdoms of men. And one day, every kingdom and every subject of every kingdom will have to bow their knee to Jesus. 
And on that day, he's going to divide people. There's going to be those who said yes to him here on earth and those who rejected him. And those who rejected him will be cast into eternal suffering. But I have good news for you. Before I get to the good news, let me just make it a little bad still. We all deserve that. So we're not looking at you and going, ha, sinner. No, we're going, we are all sinners. We have all fallen short. But God, this is the good news, God has called us all. Join us as we respond to the living king and get to walk this incredible journey with him. You will not be able to know the love of God if you do not bow your knee to the living king here on this side of the world. I mean, it's the side of eternity, rather. And I want to just pause and just make this opportunity. I want to say to you, come to God. Come and receive the forgiveness of your sins, your rebellion. When you think, oh, I can do this, I can make myself right in my own eyes, you can't. It's going to lead to death and death in abundance. But Jesus is saying, come to me. Your sins are wearing you, but I want to remove them. I want to forgive you, and I want to give you life and life in abundance. And then, yeah, just in this moment, if there's anyone like that, you want to just raise your hand. So if I need to pray for someone, I'll pray for you. Is there anyone like that? All right. So if there is someone like that and you 